Okay, um, I'd like to welcome you back to the current event and weekly Bible study for May 22nd, 2011. I'm trying to beat my battery on my computer because I have no battery because we're in total darkness doing this study and we're out of power here and battery on my computer is kind of going down the hill so I'm going to try to get as much of this done as I can here. Um, next article, Second Vatican State to be Established in Jerusalem. Now, we're going to get back to the whole thing with Obama, but I'm going to go over this, and then we're going to segue into the other. So, Second Vatican State to be established in Jerusalem. This obviously relates to this subject. Uh, there's a lot of things that relate to this subject, and I just can't cover them all today. I've covered a lot of different facets of this subject in previous studies as well. Um, this is called Jerusalem Old City Initiative. The final push for the end game started with the formation of the Council of the Religious Institutions of the Holy Land in 2005. This council has Muslims, Jews, Catholics, and so-called Christians in its governing body. Um, let's see here. I just want to make sure my recorder is recording. Okay, when you read their statement of faith, you're introduced to the final one world religion. They try to tell us that all faiths lead to the same God. Now they plan the arrival of their leader. Their statement of faith says, as religious leaders of different faiths who share the conviction in the one creator, Lord of the universe, we believe that the essence of religion is to worship G-D. I guess they mean God. I don't know. Uh, and a lot of Hebrew roots adherents write God that way, even though there's no Bible for doing it. Anyway, I've done a whole teaching on the Tetragrammaton um, being used in the occult and the whole Hebrew roots sacred name issue. You can reference that on contendingfortruth.com. Um, I would probably keep either sacred name or Tetragrammaton or Hebrew roots. You probably you can find it that way. Anyway, that's a whole other subject, but... So we believe that the essence of religion is to worship G-D and respect the life and dignity of all human beings, regardless of religion, nationality, and gender. So, in other words, it's like they want the one world religion. Okay, the Lord of the universe, who's that? Well, to them that is Satan. They don't mention Jesus Christ or, you know, they don't, they don't do anything like that. Okay, it's these nebulous terms that they use. Okay, this council's website then states, Did you know that both the chief rabbinate, or I guess the chief rabbi of Israel, and the Islamic Shahara courts of the Palestinian Authority is supporting this Norwegian-proposed interfaith initiative in Jerusalem? Now, ultimately, yes, Jerusalem is going to most likely be the center of the one-world religious faith. You know, of, of the Antichrist and the false prophet, essentially. You're going to have all the religions coming under, most likely the banner of the Catholic Church. I think it's the most, as far as from an infrastructure standpoint, set up to accommodate that. And um, you've got the chief rabbinate of Israel and the Islamic Shahara courts of the Palestinian Authority. They're supporting this Norwegian proposed interfaith initiative in Jerusalem. Ultimately, I believe that's where things are going to end up. Now, before that all happens, most likely, in the Middle East, there's going to be tons and tons of bloodshed. Okay? And... Uh, um, Large factions of, of Islam believe that in order to usher in their awaited savior, the Imam Mahdi, or the fifth Imam, um, which Maitreya claims to be, there has to be much, much bloodshed and killing in order for that to happen. And 
this is essentially going to be World War III. And out of the ashes of World War III is going to arise the Antichrist and the false prophet. And he is going to be the one that comes together and says, hey, I, why can't we all get on the same page? Why can't we all just get along? He's going to use lines, signs, and wonders and miracles, as the Bible says, him and the false prophet, in order to convince all those. And they're all going to get on the same page, and they're going to have their nice one-world religion, one-world political system, one-world government, one-world economic system, one-world currency. So that's the way I see it kind of playing out. And again, I went into that subject in detail in past teachings. Um, I didn't really do it justice. But there's no way you can cover everything in one teaching. So, the head of the council is a Norwegian Lutheran priest, Mr. Trond Bakavig. He is supported by the Church of Norway and the World Council of Churches. And when... The final peace deal almost went through in Annapolis in 2007. The religious interfaith council was getting ready to celebrate in the Norwegian embassy in Washington. I believe that was one of those dates that I mentioned as well. To get the old city of Jerusalem ready for a special regime to come, the peacemakers have formed an international workshop called the Jerusalem Old City Initiative. This initiative is sponsored by the mainly Protestant Christian Republic of Canada. Their head office is at the University of Windsor in Ontario, Canada. And uh, there's a picture here of the councils, the member of the councils of religious institutions in the Holy Land at their Norwegian ambassador's residence in Washington, D.C., where they met prior to the peace talks in Annapolis. So there's all these black-robed and devils and Islamic people all together, uh, hand-in-hand, one big happy family. One big happy abomination. Uh, when you go through this website reading strategic documents, reports, and plans, you will be stunned by what they have suggested. This is a copycat plan of the Vatican statehood document from 1929. And the ideas of how to rule Jerusalem seems to be collected from the governance of the present papal system. Their final plan will be presented to the government of Israel as an offer. They simply have to accept it. The new statehood of eastern Jerusalem will have a chief administrator who will govern a special regime. His powers will be similar to the Pope of Rome. Sounds like the Antichrist to me. Uh, this is an image, uh, there's an image here, copied from the Old Jerusalem Old City Initiative website. Um, this is the text found in one of the strategic documents on its website. So these are the key characteristics and functions of the special regime This for this um, this chief administrator for this uh, when they when they make Jerusalem a special uh, city unto itself, just like much like the Vatican is, okay, it's its own essentially its own country, okay. The proposed special regime headed by the chief administrator would be responsible for the efficient and equitable management of the governance of the old city, meaning Jerusalem, including or probably a certain part of Jerusalem as well, including ensuring the sanctity of and access to the old city's holy sites. To meet these responsibilities, the special regime would require an empowered, autonomous bureaucracy, like the Vatican, one whose leadership has the confidence of both Israel and Palestine, and one that is vested with both the authority and the capacity to administer, manage, and police specific aspects of the old city and its inhabitants. So this is what they're preparing for. A key function of the special regime would be to ensure equity, law, and order. Right. Security will be the test of any peace agreement. If order in the old city breaks down, any Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement would be at risk. 
oh, I know, I mean, those peace agreements between Israeli and Palestine, I mean, they always work so well, and we don't want to do anything to risk them, you know, because the, you know, Palestinians are so trustworthy. Thus, the old city's special regime would require a robust security force with the capacity both to deliver even-handed law enforcement and justice and to confront successfully large-scale security threats, including potential efforts by extremists from various camps seeking to undermine an Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement when there can be no peace between the two, and we've stated that many times. Um, this is a picture, in, again, this will be in the 19-page PDF associated with 522.11 on contendingfortruth.com and elsewhere. There's other sites that are putting these up. There's other links on the right side of my site on other sites that are also archiving and mirroring these teachings and PDFs we put up. This is a picture of the Pope visiting the old city in Jerusalem in May of 2009 to inspect the proper facilities for a head office. Uh, he also met his interfaith colleagues. In other words, they're saying that the, the Pope at the time when all this happens will be the one that they the, that will set himself up as this uh, leader over this interfaith, um, essentially one world religion, as I believe what it will be. And they're saying that the Pope will be the one that does this. And I think they, they make a pretty good case for that as well. Um, we've taught a lot on that subject as well in, in times past. Now, the Catechism, or Doctrines of the Catholic Church, uh, number 841, the Church's relationship with the Muslims, this is straight from Catholic Doctrine, says, The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator, in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. What? This is what the Catholic Church has as its, as its as one of its catechisms. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator. No, 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 no. You have to understand the Muslims don't acknowledge the Creator of the Bible. But then again, neither, neither do the Catholics. They can say they do all day long, but they serve a false god. They serve a god that says you've got to get to heaven based on your works, based on keeping the seven sacraments and doing all these other stuff. It's just one other works-based religious cult. It's one other. It's just the largest pseudo um, pseudo Christian religion cult on the planet. You know, they killed 50 million people, conservative estimate, during the Inquisition. A lot of those were Bible-believing Christians. And they call themselves Christian? How is that? I don't see any Bible for that at all. And then they're saying the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. The Muslims who worship the moon god, who is not the Creator. Allah is the moon god. has nothing to do with the god of the Bible. It's just another fallen angel these, these devils are worshiping. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham. Okay, whatever. I mean, the faith of Abraham is the Bible. Okay, they don't they don't profess to do that. They have the Quran, which is which is totally you know um, at odds with the Bible. Doesn't doesn't line up with the Bible. It's against it. And then and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge, mankind's judge on the last day. Well, they kind of do worship the same God, the Catholics and the Muslims. I do agree, because ultimately it's Satan that they're worshiping. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with that from that standpoint, but it's just kind of funny. Now, there's a lot of proof also to indicate that the Catholics actually created the Islamic religion. And there's, there's um, I can't get into that today, but I've seen a lot of compelling information that would confirm that as well. Okay, so let's go further. So let's look at some Bible verses, kind of, you know, relating to some of the things I've said in the past and some of the things that relate to the subject. Um, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord 
said unto Abram, now remember, we just talked about the faith of Abraham, okay? Now the Lord said unto Abram, get, get thee out of thy country. Okay, I'm sorry, I got interrupted there. Uh, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Um, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Now, this is, he's the father of the Jewish nation, the literal bloodline father of the Jews, of, of you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the twelve tribes. And okay, So then he goes on to say, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, could this have anything to do with these curses that are falling on America that we just documented over and over and over again? And I shudder to think what's going to happen to America now. No, I mean, you can look at, you know, 50 million plus aborted babies, the homosexual movements, the, the pornography industry, all the things that are going on in America, the apathy, the, 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 the obsession with, with idolatry and sports and covetousness and envy and, and, and alcohol and all these things that are an abomination. And that by itself would bring God's judgment. But then you have now this issue and Obama putting pressure on them to go back to these 1967 borders. I mean, this is absolute insanity. So I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So, okay, we've already made that case. We've already went over all those those things in, um, that we just talked about with, when we pressure them to give up land and some cataclysmic thing happens to us. We're bringing, America's bringing a curse on itself. Now I'm not saying the remnant who doesn't want this is responsible, but I'm talking about you know America in general. Uh, so, let's go further. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Okay, this is talking about salvation. For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, remember, uh, you're saved by faith through grace, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians uh, 2.11. So, we've, we've got those verses there. For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Where, essentially, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Next verse, Galatians 3.29. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed... And heirs according to the promise. Okay, we're not the literal bloodline of Abraham. We're not actually, you know, actually have Jewish blood flowing through our veins. But from a spiritual standpoint, we are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Okay, so I, I thought that was appropriate considering the verses we just read from Genesis 12.1. Okay. Um, now, let's go further. Romans 11 verse 1. I have, uh, and this is, this is Paul essentially talking about Israel, okay, in this particular chapter. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, have God cast away his people, meaning the Jews, okay, in this sense, God forbid. For I am also an Israelite, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So who more qualified to speak on this particular subject than, than um, Paul? God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. 
Wot ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life? But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee or image of Baal, not, not bowed their, image, their knee to Baal. In other words, God always preserves a remnant. Okay, wherever his people are, he always preserves a remnant, which he's always done with uh, the Jews as well. But the Jews have had this history of killing the prophets, you know, it's saying, dig down thine altars, you know, this, they have this history of doing this, of rebelling against God. And I, I think, you know, you can sit here and point fingers at them, but, you know, regardless of what race it would have been, most likely they would have done the exact same thing. Okay, so, um, it just so happened to be it was Israel, or the Jews that we're talking about here. So, um, going further, it says, even so at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. In, in other words, there's a remnant of Jews, even at the time of the writings of Romans 11, which we're talking about here, there was a remnant according to the election of grace. He always preserves a remnant. And you've heard me say that a long, a long t- uh, many, many times, I'm sure. Uh, next verse. Uh, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Again, you say by grace, through faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hopefully that can bring a little clarification to that verse there. Next verse, Romans eleven seven. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Okay? And we're going to get to the rest, meaning the rest of Israel were blinded. There was a remnant that obtained this election that actually got saved, but the rest of Israel were blinded, is what it's saying here. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, and eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Where else do we see that? That dynamic from God? A lot of other places in the Bible, but also in 2 Thessalonians, talking about the end times that we're living in, talking about right on the, um, the when, when the church goes into apostasy and the Antichrist is revealed in that time frame, and the wicked is revealed, capital W, meaning the Antichrist, the man of sin, in that same time period it says, for this cause God will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. That the, and this is just basically, when it says them, it's basically those that are of, not of the election. The, those, those that are unsaved and hellbound. Okay? God does know the beginning from the end. Okay? It's not for us to decide who's hellbound. But God does know the beginning from the end because he stands outside of time and looks in. He knows who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So some would say, yeah, that's not fair. He sent them strong. He's the one that did it. Yeah, but these were people who were going to go the way of the world. They were going to follow Satan. God knew it. God knew this was going to happen. So he sends them strong delusion. It wouldn't have mattered if, if he sent them um, prophets and in, in, in holy men of God or holy women of God to, to try to get their eyes open. Ultimately, they would not have gotten saved. God knew that. He knew it 
you know, because he stands outside of time and looks in. So, going forward, um, let's see here. Uh, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, and eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Meaning they, has Israel stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. For to provoke them to jealousy, that's... Not, I mean, I'm sure that's a, that's a big, big part of the reason, to provoke them to jealousy. When they realize, when their eyes are finally open in mass, near the end of the tribulation, according to Zechariah, and we read that verse, when they're going to look upon whom they've pierced, they're going to realize collectively what they've done. They've crucified their Savior. They crucified their Savior 2,000 years earlier, essentially. Okay, so, um, going further here, uh, let's see here. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Um, in other words, because they fell... Let, let's, let's let the Bible say this, because I, I might mess it up. Um, have they stumbled? They should, God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Okay, so that's that's what that's what happened through their fall. Salvation is coming to the Gentiles, which would be mo- the vast majority of my listeners. You know, vast majority of people on the earth. Now, to follow them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles. How much more their fullness? For if the uh, going to verse fifteen, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? but life from the dead. Meaning, God is not done with the Jews. Okay? A lot of pseudo-cults, Christian cults, teach that. They, well, we've replaced Israel. British Israelism, or the identity movement, or certain um, other cults, pseudo-Christian cults, say, oh, we're the 12 tribes now. We're this and we're that. Oh, please. You know, I mean, just go to, to uh, Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. And talk about the twelve tribes of Israel that they name by name, and they're Jewish male virgins. I mean, <laughs> that have not been with a woman. I mean, it's kind of tough to spiritualize that one, but you know, a lot of cults do. And they they make their they give it their best shot. Uh, going for, forward, um, it says here. Uh, let's see here. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. So if if you're rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, then if that's where your, your root system lies, okay, then whatever fruit that that root produces is going to be holy. That's what essentially it's saying. It says, if the root be holy, then so are the branches. Okay? So that's why you have to have your house built upon the solid rock of Christ Jesus. And when the waves come and the winds come, then you're not going to be moved off that. Okay, So, um, and if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boastest, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now, a lot of people don't understand what this means, but it's very clear to me. If 
it says if some of the branches be broken off. What is that in representation of? Well, it's in representation of when the Jews collectively rejected Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, and again, it was on more than one occasion that they did this. Okay, um, Chiefly being, give us Barabbas, take away, uh, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. And there was other times that they did that as well. That was probably the chief time, though. Okay, so, if some of the branches be broken off, meaning the natural branches, the actual Jews, I mean, the Bible says in uh, John chapter 1, it says, He, meaning Jesus, came to his own, and his own received him not. That's what they're in reference. That's why these branches were, were, were broken off. And then it goes on to say, if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, that's what we are. We're like a, we're like a wild olive tree, um, and we're grafted in among them, meaning they took a branch. Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. So what then happened then? Then they went to the Gentiles. We are the olive, wild olive trees. We were grafted in to the natural olive tree, a wild olive branch. That's what we're representative of, a Gentile, born-again, Bible-believing, Christian believer. And with them, meaning with the natural branches, the Jews that are saved, the remnant that are saved, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. We enjoy the, the, the benefits of salvation, you know, a heavenly destination and all of the other things that go along with that. Um, boast not against the branches, meaning if you're a wild olive branch grafted in, don't boast against the Jews because blindness in part has happened to them until the fullness of the Gentile come in, or because you're saved and they can't see it. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay? Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. The, will thou say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in? Ooh, I mean, that's scary. Are you going to I mean, some people I think would say that. I, I guarantee you a lot of these cults, these pseudo-Christian cults say that. Oh, God's done with the Jews. He's done with them. You know, they were broken off that I might be saved, in other words. That's what it says. Will thou say the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in? Boy, that's some pride there. I, mean, I don't even want to go there in my mind. That's crazy. Um, we just need to thank the Lord Jesus Christ that we were saved, that we had the opportunity. You know, that's scary stuff. Romans 11.20 says, well, because of unbelief they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Remember, you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, um, well, well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. In other words, you don't boast against the Jews because they have been blinded to the truth. Okay, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Uh, behold, therefore the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, which means the Jews in this particular case, but toward thee, a born-again Bible-believing Christian, in other words, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness... Otherwise, thou shalt be cut off. Well, that doesn't sound too good. 
you know, that doesn't that doesn't sound like something I want to mess around with there. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. You know. They that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I mean, you know, the Bible's very, very clear on that. Now, I'm not talking about works-based religion. I'm talking about enduring to the end through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside a born-again Christian. You know, you don't do it in and of yourself. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So that's the kind of um, uh, strength and faith that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, works-based. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to endure to the end. You know, uh, I'm going to continue in this goodness of my own self because I'm just a good guy. No, it's not that. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, that um, the truth is not in us. You know, not to say that we should go around sinning, not that we should, uh, you know, um, uh, not that we should go around and sin and use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh or anything like that. I'm just trying to give some perspective on this particular subject because it can get, uh, this, this subject tends to confuse a lot of people. And I've done several teachings that kind of go over this from the process of salvation the baptism, to overcoming and bearing the cross of Christ. And what I'm doing now is I'm putting them in the header of my PDFs that I will be putting up, and they'll be at the very top of every single PDF that I put up up there. Um, And this one, I think I did it last week and then this week, and I'll do it from now on. And you should listen to those teachings in order, okay, Uh, to understand that subject in, in hopefully totality. Um, and again, this PDF would be for May 22nd, 2011. So, uh, going further, let's see here, uh, verse 23, 1123, and also, and they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, meaning the Jews, if they abide still not in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. He has not abandoned the Jewish race, in other words. You know, they can get saved just like we can. Uh, Next verse, for if thou wert cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, which is what a Gentile would be considered, and were grafted in contrary to nature into a good olive tree, which would be representative of being grafted into Christ, how much more shall these, which being the natural branches, meaning the Jews, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to the Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion, Sion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And when is this going to happen? This is going to happen, I believe, near the end of the tribulation, according to uh, Zechariah when two-thirds of the Jews are, um, are essentially destroyed in the tribulation, and one-third will be tried as silver and come through. And this is when all of Israel will be saved, because that's all that's going to be left. A third of the Jews will be left. And I've, I've done many teachings on that. The Bible's, I believe, very clear on that. Um, uh, For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Their eyes are going to be open. They're going to look upon whom they've pierced, which is in the same portion of Scripture in Zechariah, and they're going to mourn for one that mourns for the loss of their only begotten son. They're going to realize what they've done. They pier- When was he pierced? Well, he was pierced when he was crucified. It was one of the things that was done with him. I mean, they pierced his hands, his feet. The Roman centurion pierced his side. 
So, so, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. In other words, I mean, right now, if you try to witness to a Jew, a lot of times, you know, they're not going to receive this at all. <laughs> I mean, they, they say some really blasphemous stuff about Jesus Christ. A lot of the Jews are taught that. Um, as concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election... They are beloved for the Father's sakes. So, anyway, hopefully that kind of clears up some things regarding that subject, which is kind of quite, can be a little bit complicated. Um, let's go further here. So, next article. The world is preparing to recognize a Palestinian state, even in the face of a determined Israeli opposition. Critically important end-of-age prophecy is about to be fulfilled. This is an article from Cutting Edge. Um, this is a news brief. UN recognition would give Palestinians more leverage in negotiating with Israel. Ramallah and the West Bank. The decision was part of a recent reconciliation product, process between the Arab, between Abbas, uh, Fatah movement, and the Islamic military Hamas group. The two sides have been torn between rival governments for the past four years. Um, and with the Fatah in the West Bank and Hamas in control of Gaza, but last week they agreed to reconcile. The establishment of a Palestinian state has long been delayed because of the horrific rift between the Abbas Fatah party and the more radical Hamas. Both were terrorist groups who had carried out attacks on the Jews in the past. But Abbas is a lifelong Freemason beholden to the Illuminati plan, while Hamas leadership was more homegrown. As a result, Hamas has distrusted Fatah to the highest degree possible, holding their leadership to a degree of animosity exceeded only by their hatred of Israel. Therefore, the reconciliation between Fatah and Hamas is nothing short of unprecedented. Uh, only now, with this reconciliation, Hamas will turn, it, will turn on Fatah in a most bloody purge, mark my word. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Only now with this reconciliation can Palestinians hope they can finally get their state. We feel the need to post a warning, however. If a Palestinian state is ever announced as a result of reconciliation, Hamas will then turn on Fatah in a most bloody purge, mark my word. That's cutting edge's viewpoint. The Palestinians are preparing to petition the United Nations to recognize a Palestinian state. Let us return to the featured article above. Palestinian unity is a necessity as Abbas prepares to ask the United Nations to recognize an independent state in the West Bank and Gaza, with East Jerusalem as its capital. Abbas is seeking a UN vote in September, a month before the elections would take place. Abbas acknowledged the UN recognition would not change the situation on the ground, but would give more, him more leverage in negotiations with Israel. President Obama is to decide soon how much he should pressure Israel to accept a Palestinian state or if he should simply refrain from applying any diplomatic pressure. Well, that's not going to happen. This is just a little thing I interjected in there. Um, Obama administration split over pressure in Israel on Palestinian state. The administration of uh, President Obama appears divided over whether to pressure Israel to ensure the establishment of a Palestinian state in the West Bank administration sources said the question over whether to pressure Israel has divided the National Security Council and State Department. The sources said the dispute has centered on whether Israel should approve a Palestinian state, even without agreement with the Palestinian Authority. 
And then another article says, Israelis celebrate the 63rd anniversary of their independence this week in good cheer. Neither by word nor hint have its leaders referred to the challenge facing the country in the year to come, which is Barack Obama, the president of Israel's President of Israel's best friend and ally has picked the Muslim Brotherhood movement of the Middle East as his chosen partner for promoting American interest in the Arab world. Uh, His White House has made a forging pact between the United States and the Muslim Brotherhood, this radical element of the Islamic world. Uh, The United States has made a forging pact between the the U.S. and the Muslim Brotherhood, their ultimate policy objective? Ah, I mean, unbelievable. Another part of the Obama game plan was the Arab Spring for paving the way to the beginning for making decades-old autocratic rulers redundant. Uh, Egypt's Hosni Mubarak was the first to go. In other words, all these purging of, of, of leaders in these countries that we're seeing here, and America's behind a ton of it, so that they can they can um, institute a more radical um, Muslim Brotherhood uh, leader in the place of these dictators, and so that when World War III breaks out, all these nations will be able to get on the same page a lot easier, just because they'll be more united in their absolute total hatred toward Israel. Um, whereas some of these long-standing dictators, you know, probably don't have that same like, wow, I really want to go against Israel type of mentality at all costs. I mean, they're sitting there fat and happy. They're the leaders of a government or whatever, and they're, and they're thinking, I don't why do I want to jeopardize this? Whereas somebody, if they can get somebody in there like from the Muslim Brotherhood, um, you know, if they, particularly if they install them in there, then they're going to be more apt to take orders, and, and they're, they're already wanting to destroy Israel. So I think that's why they did it. So, on Friday, May 13th, Obama's envoy to the Middle East, George Mitchell, submitted his resignation. Mitchell, Mitchell's resignation was scheduled to take effect on Friday, the day Obama meets Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The sources said the president, who plans to give a speech on the Middle East on May 19th, now this has already happened, wants Netanyahu to cooperate with the Palestinian unity government as a first step toward the establishment of a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza Strip over the next few months. So they're wanting this over the next few months. Remember what prophetic scripture says about the establishment of a future Edomite state, or the Palestinian state. Uh, Isaiah 34.12 says, They shall call its nobles to proclaim the kingdom, but nothing shall be there, and its princes shall be no more. God foretold 2,600 years ago that the modern-day Palestinian leaders would proclaim an empty kingdom and then would be destroyed. The declaration of an empty kingdom may be close at hand. I think we're going to see that pretty soon, too. Next article here. Um, trying to kind of get through all this before my battery runs out here. Uh, Obama, a full and phased withdrawal by Israel to the 1967 lines. Uh, so, this is flashing forward a few days more. U.S. President Obama dramatically changed U.S. foreign policy, sandbagging Israel and aligning himself with Palestinian Authority Chairman Mahmoud Abbas. Preconditions for talks when he called Thursday for a full and phased withdrawal of Israeli forces from occupied Palestinian lands. In other words, they're not, they're not, see, they're just calling Israel an occupier, a usurper, a, a, you know, they're, they're occupying Palestinian lands. They belong to the Muslims, you know. And so what he termed 
They're, they're, they have to. He wants a full and phased withdrawal of Israeli forces from occupied Palestinian lands to what he termed 1967 borders. The 1949 armistice lines. Uh, Israeli's former foreign minister and UN ambassador Abba Iban in 1967 refers to as the Auschwitz borders. In other words, it's like a big prison camp. They, they turn Israel into such a small little tiny piece of land. It's like they're in Auschwitz. You know, it's like they're in a prison camp. Obama left room for some land swaps at those borders. Oh, good. I'm, I'm so glad that, that he was going to throw out a few crumbs to the Israelis. Obama's comments came during his much-anticipated policy address at the State Department, in which he outlined the U.S., the United States' new foreign policy for the Middle East and Northern Africa in light of spring revolutions that have rocked the region. Saying the world was tired of nothing but a stalemate, in the Arab-Israeli conflict, and complaining that, quote, settlement activity continues while the Palestinians have walked away from talks, um, Obama said Israelis cannot obtain the dream of a democratic and Jewish state through occupation. So in other words, they've got to just totally give up uh, tons and tons more land to the Palestinians, even though the Palestinians will give them absolutely zero in return. The only thing they're going to give them in return is more rocket fire. And more death and, and carnage. That's the only thing they're capable of doing. Obama called for the two states for two peoples. Uh, with permanent borders based on the 1967 lines with agreed upon swaps. The borders referred to as the 1967 lines are in fact the lines agreed upon in the 1949 armistice, following which Jordan occupied Judea and Samaria for 19 years. The armistice lines considered are considered indefensible by defense experts, and are often called the Auschwitz borders in Israel. I mean, it'd be like, you know, if you had a house, and, you know, it would kind of be like you had a house, and just uh, surrounding you was just hostile people that wanted just to destroy you. And essentially you had a whole bunch of land, and then you agreed to give up a whole bunch of land to where it's just basically the lot or plot of land around your house. How could you defense that? I mean, you, you'd have your enemies, like, at the... At the um, all sides of your property with missiles launched uh, aimed at your house. How do you defense that? You can't do it. There would be no time to even react to a missile strike. They'd be on you so quick. In other words. So, uh, he also mentioned that the Palestinian state should be contiguous. This word refers to Judea and Samaria's Jewish communities that separate Palestinian areas from one another, or even more dangerously, refer to a connecting road between Gaza and Judea and Samaria, which would make Israel non-contiguous. Our policy is two states for two people. Uh, Israel is a Jewish state for the Jewish people, and Palestine is a Palestinian state for the Palestinian people. Uh, this is coming from Satan himself, uh, Obama. A viable Palestine, a secure Israel. What a devil from the pit of hell this guy is. You know, he is nothing more than a mouthpiece of Satan. He is of his father, the devil, and of his works he will do. He was a liar from the beginning. So that's what I, that's what I think about Obama. The abomination. Yasser Arafat. Okay, these are just some quotes, just to give us a little perspective here. Uh, one of the most wicked devils that ever walked the planet. Yasser Arafat, Palestinian president of the Palestinian Authority um, uh, from 1996. And he also won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1994. I mean, that's like giving Obama the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, you know, he's in good company. So, here's some quotes from good old Yasser Arafat. He says, quote, We plan to eliminate the state of Israel and establish a purely Palestinian state. Uh, we will make life unbearable for the Jews by psychological warfare and population explosion. 
Uh, we Palestinians will take over everything, including all of Jerusalem. So that's what their plans are. Peace for us means the destruction of Israel. This is further quoting. We are preparing for an all-out war, a war which will last for generations. They're, they're, I mean, that's, this, that's their solution, is total annihilation of the Jews. Calling for final negotiations on permanent borders, although he left only land swaps to negotiate and security before deciding the future of Jerusalem and Palestinian refugees. Um, uh, let's see here. Obama said he believed these wrenching issues would be eventually be solved because in his words, quote, I am convinced the majority of Israelis and Palestinians would rather look to the future than be trapped in the past. Spoken like a true devil. Abbas has stated almost the same thing, that returning to the 1949 armistice lines is non-negotiable. I mean, that's the only thing they'll take. Like, they should be dictating anything. And it says, but included Jerusalem in those borders. So they want, they want the 1949 lines, and they also want Jerusalem. And said that only the refugees are a negotiable issue. Man, I tell you, this subject really gets me fired up. <laughs> Obama, who tried to justify remarks endorsing the Palestinian Authority territorial demands by invoking the long-standing friendship between Israel and the United States, said, quote, because of that friendship, we must speak the truth. No, all you can do is speak in lies, you devil. And then he goes on to say, but at the same time, he endorsed Palestinian leaders' maximalist demands, ignoring most of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's conditions for a peace accord. It's all one-sided, you know? Uh, saying Israel must, quote, act boldly to advance a lasting peace and claiming a growing number of Palestinians live west of the Jordan River, Obama put the onus on Israel to make, quote, millions believe peace is possible and using language traditionally associated with the one-sided Israeli concessions, said Israel must act boldly to achieve a lasting peace. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, you know, the Muslims are locked and, lo locked and loaded at every single opportunity and just chomping at the bit to get their rockets closer, to get their guns closer, to get their suicide bombers closer. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. But, is, but all of this is put on Israel. You know, it's all Israel's fault. They're the ones to blame, you know. While saying the U.S. would make every effort to advance the cause of peace, Obama outlined no plan other than Israeli concessions for achieving an agreement between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. So I'm saying this right now. I think that this may be one of the final linchpins for God's judgment on this nation. I mean, this issue aside, all of the other things I mentioned, but when you combine this in there with us, with this devil from the pit of hell as our president putting pressure on Israel to do this, I shudder to think about the judgment that's going to come upon this nation. And I've just documented a ton of it tonight. And to me, this is the most flagrant thing. This far exceeds anything that I read about tonight. All of these were like things like this. But um, this going to the 1967 borders and in this one-sided um, negotiations which totally favor the Muslims, I mean, I have never seen anything like it. Not by a modern day uh, president in America. Next, and I believe last article, Obama uh, is entitled Obama. The 1967 borders reflect long-standing U.S. policy. Well, I guess according to, to the liar himself, Satan here, 
Uh, President speaks to the pro-Israel lobby. Um, This is from the Associated Press. President Barack Obama warned America's pro-Israel lobby on Sunday that the Jewish state will face growing isolation without a credible Middle East peace process. He defended his endorsement of a future Palestinian based on Israel's 1967 boundaries. But subject to negotiated land swaps, it's a public expression of long-standing U.S. policy. He's just, he's just making this stuff up. After a contentious couple of days, Obama sought to alleviate concerns that his administration was veering in a pro-Palestinian direction by placing Thursday's major Middle East policy speech in the context of Israel's security. Now, when he first said this, everybody and their brother was coming out, I mean, conservative talk at least, was coming out and saying, is he out of his mind? No president has ever done this. Nobody's, no president, no American president's ever said you need to go back to the 1967 boundaries. And this devil from the pit of hell is acting like, you know, you know, of course, this is long-standing policy when it's never been our policy. Um, and he's acting as though, oh, it is, you know. And then he does so by placing Thursday's major Middle East policy speech in the context of Israel's security. So in other words, we're doing it for the sake of Israel. They need to give up all this land in Jerusalem and just totally cave into whatever these wonderful Muslims want from you. I mean, just give them whatever they want because we're thinking about your security. Everything this guy does is the, whatever he says, it's the opposite of the truth. Everything that comes out of the guy's mouth is a lie. I I have never seen the ruler of a nation be so evil as Obama, overtly. And I understand, yes, he's a puppet on a string, but he's a willing puppet on a string. Okay? And, And this impacts... Every single person that lives in America, because of of the judgment that God is going to bring, and probably has already started to bring on America, just because of of this alone. Um, And again, we have a lot of history to back that up, that I read tonight. He goes on, he told the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee that the border lines he referred to reflected U.S. thinking, dating back to President Clinton. Oh, hey, I mean, hey, President Clinton, I mean, if he said it, then, I mean, I definitely think it's it's something we need to do, right? I mean, he was a great guy. I mean, what's not to like about him? And that it needed to be brought out into the open. He goes on to say, this is, this is Satan himself speaking, if there's a controversy, then it's not based in substance. This is what Obama says. Again, more lies. Everything out of the guy's mouth is a lie. Obama said in a well-received speech at Washington's convention center, quote, what I did on Thursday was to say publicly what has long been acknowledged privately. I have done so because we cannot afford to wait another decade or another two decades or another three decades in order to achieve peace. When the exact opposite is going to be achieved when this happens. The exact opposite of peace. And um, it's just so flagrantly obvious what's going on here. Um, hopefully, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to see here what we're, what we're dealing with here. Um, so, this is what Obama's pressure. Now, what happened is, is he said this, and then like the next day, everybody was coming out and attacking him, and then he backpedaled a little bit, and then he came out and said this, where he said, basically, he just reaffirmed what he said, uh, and this is, this is, he said this right before Netanyahu got here. I mean, talk about putting your foot in your mouth, but 
He said it, he initially backpedaled, and then he came out and then he said this, which he was totally reaffirming what he said the first time. He's not taking nothing back, he's not backpedaling anymore, he's making it very obvious and clear. Okay, And this is the state of affairs in America. Uh, there's a little petition here that I've got at the bottom. It's from Grassfire Nation regarding supporting Israel. And I don't mean just blindly supporting Israel and everything that they... But this is basically, it says, in the wake of President Obama's reckless comments directed toward Israel, I've just added my name to Grassfire Nation's I Support Israel petition. I'm urging you to do the same. So I give you a link to that, to that petition there. Um, because I think people need to speak out regarding this. This is not something that you just want to sit silent about and do you know, nothing about. Obviously, the, the primary way you want to address this situation is through prayer. Um, but um, it's, it's a very serious situation. And again, we've got a lot of history to look at. And I went over a little bit of that tonight. And um, this, the destruction that this administration his perpetuating and, and bringing on America is, I be, really believe, unprecedented of any president we have ever had. I mean, it's just so wicked. Everything this guy does, everything that that he has his hands in, is is just so wicked. It's so corrupt and so evil. Um, I, I just never seen anything like it. It's just so grievous to live in this country. To for 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 me. Um, Regarding this particular issue, with this guy, with this guy at the helm, and I understand, yes, he's a puppet on a string. He's just doing what his Illuminati handlers have told him to do. Um, but again, he's a willing subject, and he is the tool which they're doing that. And um, anyway, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that we were able to complete this study, Lord. I pray that uh, whatever your purpose for it, and all the other studies that we've put up in times past, that that. Uh, your purpose be accomplished, Lord. I do pray, God, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, Lord God, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Um, I do pray, God, regarding all these situations today that we have mentioned, Lord, I do pray, God, that you would bless Jerusalem. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but I also know that this peace will not be achieved until the Prince of Peace returns in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to set up his throne here. And in the meantime, Lord, I just pray that your remnant would be faithful in praying in the manner that you would have us pray regarding this particular situation. I do pray, God, that the eyes of the Jews... Be open. I also pray, God, that the eyes of the Muslims and, the, and their enemies be open as well, God. For it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I pray, God, their souls be saved as well as the Jews. I pray that your fear be upon them and the goodness and the severity of the Lord, God. And, and um, godly sorrow leadeth thee to, to repentance. And I pray whatever it takes in order to get them saved, that you would do that, Lord. And we also claim Psalm 64, Lord God, against our enemies. Against our enemies that are just hell-bound, Lord, against our enemies that will not repent. And you do know the beginning from the end, Lord God. You know who will be saved and who will not be saved. And um, we, we pray, our Father, um, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of land of snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. 
both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright heart shall glory. Um, I pray for your protective hand, Lord God, to be upon your remnant to be upon the body of Christ and the innocent, Lord God, and the widows and the orphans and the babies and the unborn babies, Lord God, and those that cannot defend themselves. I pray for your protective hand to be upon Israel, Lord God, and that um, through whatever you're going to do there, Lord God, and I realize ultimately America is going to most likely turn her back on Israel. I just pray to God, whatever you're going to do would be done, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider if you're doing, that many would be saved, um, and that your name would be glorified through what you're going to do in the future regarding Israel. And um, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.